0: Hello, folks. Welcome to Notoriously Episcopalian, a podcast of sermons from me, Kelly Hudlow, an itinerant Episcopal priest in Alabama. Thanks for listening. This is a sermon for the third Sunday of Advent, December eleventh, 2022, offered at the Episcopal Church of the Messiah in Heflin, Alabama. The principal text for the sermon is Matthew chapter 11, verses 2 through 11. John asked Jesus if he is the one they've been waiting for. May I speak in the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Um, So a little pop quiz for you, thinking back to maybe your fifth grade science class. If I were to let go of my prayer book right now at this moment, what would happen to it? It would fall to the floor. Now, I can stand here and hold this knowing that if I let it go, it's not just going to hang there in the air, but that it will pretty summarily fall to the floor with a loud thud. And I know that the reason why it is going to do that is because of something called gravity. This is sort of a foundational understanding of the way the world works that kind of operates in the back of my mind, in the back of your mind, the reason why we don't walk around just putting things out and letting them go, expecting them to stay hanging where they are. We learn about gravity from a very early age, right? You can watch kids playing with toys and they'll pick something up and they'll drop it. And then the dreaded day comes that they learn that they can pick it up and throw it, right? But they know when they throw it, it's not just gonna keep going, that it's going to either hit their sibling, which may be the intended target, or it's going to fall back to the ground some distance away. So when I was a kid, this is how you learned about things. You tried it and you watched and it fell and you tried it again and maybe you broke something and you got in trouble. But you got this understanding that if you hold something in the air and let it go, it falls to the ground. But you don't yet know that the reason for that is because of gravity. You have to go to school to learn that part, right? Or maybe your parents tell you about it. And typically kids are introduced to this because they hear the story about Sir Isaac Newton sitting under an apple tree and watching an apple fall straight down from the tree. Sometimes this is demonstrated by having the apple actually fall on Newton's head and giving him this idea of, oh, something must be making this apple fall. And then you go further in school and you learn that there is this thing called physics and mathematics and all of these things that you can learn to explain why the book would fall to the ground, what speed it would fall to the ground, and that, interestingly enough, a bag full of feathers that weighs the same as the book will fall at the same speed and land at the same time. All of this you learn throughout school, sort of exploring the science and the mechanics behind gravity. Something that you don't see, something that you learn about, and that you believe to be the case. Now, when you get older, right, you might go to the movies, and see special effects that seem to change the rules of gravity, right? Or maybe, I know, I have experienced moments of being on a roller coaster, or even in a car maybe going too fast down a little hill, where you get that moment of weightlessness, and that, you know, so you begin to sort of feel what it's like to not have gravity work the way it's supposed to, or you go and see a magician that seems to suspend the rules of gravity. But you take those experiences, right, when gravity seems not to be working, and compare them to all your other experiences and what you have learned, and you can that leads you to this morning, right, where I can stand here and say, "I know if I drop the book or let go of the book, it's going to fall to the floor." This belief that I have that gravity is at play, even though I have seen the rules of gravity broken before is because I have been taught this. I have been told stories about people who have figured out how gravity works, and I've been told this by people that I trust and respect, and then I've also learned it because of my own experimentation, right? Of being the mischievous kid that drops things and lets it break, or throw things to see where it lands, or just being the clumsy adult that carries too many things at once and then sees them tumble to the floor. When we talk about believing things, we may be quick to sort of say I believe things because I know that they are absolutely true and there's never a question or a doubt about it. But normally when we really think about that, when we say I believe gravity exists or I believe this is what is going to happen, it's because we have this long history of learning and experience the thing, experiencing something that leads us to say I believe this. I believe this to be true. This is something that I trust and have confidence in, that gravity is going to work today and hold me on the ground, and gravity will catch my book and pull it to the ground if I were to knock it off of the pulpit. We walk around with a lot of beliefs that run sort of in the background of our heads. We don't think a lot about them. They're just there, and they make the world work around us. But every now and then, something will happen that will make us question that belief to examine it. And the result might be that we have our belief strengthened. We are even more convinced that this is something that is true. Or we might change what we believe. Or we might discard the belief altogether. We are pretty comfortable in certain circumstances with this idea of learning and experimenting and examining, right, in lots of areas of our lives. Except when it comes to our faith. When it comes to God, a lot of us seem to think that our beliefs should just be given to us and they should be unchanging and untested Or at the very least, it should at least appear to everybody else that what we believe is unchanging, unquestioned, untested, right? We need to look like we have an unshakable faith. But think about it for a moment. Right now, what do you believe about God? What do you believe about this person that we call Jesus? And how did you end up having that belief? This Sunday, we get the second installment in the story of John the Baptist. Last week we met John in the wilderness in the midst of his ministry preparing the way for Jesus. He was calling people out to him, calling them to repent and to be baptized as a mark of the cleansing of their sins. John was a powerful prophet and all these crowds were coming and they would hear John and John would say confidently that he believed that he was not the end of the story, that one was to come after him and that this ministry that was to be brought by the one, the Messiah, would change the world. Now this Sunday, we're further along in the story. John has already met Jesus. He has baptized Jesus. Jesus has gone into the wilderness and he has begun his ministry in Galilee. And John has continued his ministry of calling people to repentance and challenging those that are in power. And this morning when we hear John, when we encounter him, He's in prison because he has clashed with Herod Antipas. And so he is locked away in prison while Jesus is continuing to move around the Galilee, teaching and healing. And John has gotten word of what this Jesus has continued to do. But from prison, John, who just last week when we heard him was so sure about what he believed about the Messiah and what he believed about Jesus, sends almost an unimaginable message through his followers. He sends a question to Jesus, which is simply, are you the one? Are you who we have been waiting for? Or are we supposed to wait for someone else? Catches us off guard, right? How does someone so sure and confident now seem to doubt, and the very person that he has seen. John would have been brought up, right, as a faithful, observant Jew. He would have been brought up to learn about the Messiah and to learn about the signs of the Messiah's arrival. He would have learned that Messiah would usher in a new age of justice and healing, And now that Jesus, this Messiah, is here, while people are being healed and taught in the Galilee, John is sitting in jail because an unjust king has put him there. So perhaps what John had learned to believe and what he expected wasn't quite lining up with what he was seeing and experiencing. And so he sends a question to Jesus. Are you... The one. Are you the one? Now Jesus' answer is interesting. He could have sent back an angry missive. He could have said, John, you should know better. You were there at the Jordan. You baptized me. You saw the dove come down. You know that I am the one. How dare you ask this question? But that's not Jesus' response. Instead, Jesus says... Go tell John the things that I have done. Tell John about how the blind have received their sight, how the lame walk, the leopards are cleansed, the deaf ear, the dead are raised, and the poor have good news brought to them. Jesus picks these signs and wonders because he knows that these are the signs that the prophet Isaiah said would occur when the Messiah came again. Jesus doesn't get angry at John for asking the question. Jesus simply offers the proof that John would recognize and know to be true. At the time of Jesus, there's lots of different beliefs about who the Messiah would be and what would happen when the Messiah came. Jesus challenged a lot of people's expectations Jesus required a lot of people to take those beliefs that they had learned and held so tightly to and re-examine them and test them through his teaching of parables and through the people that he chose to be with and who he chose to heal and who he chose to set free. And he offered all of this as proof of who he was, but we, to believe it, had to be willing to be challenged and tested in our faith. The followers of him had to take this new information and see how it fit with all the things that they believed. There was this work of self-examination that then allowed those followers to become disciples and to become messengers of Christ to go out and testify that Jesus is the Messiah. I take a lot of comfort... In the fact that John the Baptist, the one sent to prepare the way of the Lord, in a moment when the world was not making sense to him, had the courage to send a message to Jesus and say, Are you the one? In this Advent season, as we talk about preparing for the coming of Christ at Christmas, and we talk about preparing for the coming of Christ at the end when he comes in triumph and sets the world right, it is a time that we can be challenged to examine what we believe. Because it's really easy to look around and say, if we believe Jesus Messiah has come and will come again, why is the world the way it is now? I know how I came to my beliefs, right? I had some big moments, some conversion experiences that taught me some very essential things about who God is. I've had some up close moments with the saving grace of Jesus Christ. But then a lot of what I believe about God, I've learned through the teachings of the church. The witness of others who tell me about how God has moved and worked in their lives. But sometimes when I read the news or watch how cruel people are to each other, my belief is tested and I wonder, is all of this true? Jesus, are you the one? When these moments come, I rely on scripture. I rely on stories like John the Baptist who questioned and who maybe doubted and who examined their faith and learned to become followers of Christ. I rely on the tradition of the church that we stand up every, summer, every Sunday and say, we believe when we recite the Nicene Creed. So maybe if one day I'm having trouble with something, I know the person standing next to me can join in and say with me, we hold together as a community. These are what we believe and know to be true about. In moments like this, I especially rely on the testimony of other Christians, of hearing the stories of other people that guide me in my examination of what I believe about God. The life of John the Baptist shows us that Jesus did not ask us for blind, unquestioned belief. Jesus does not call us to an unexamined faith. We are called and invited to be active participants in our beliefs, and we also play an active role in shaping the beliefs of those around us. When we gather each week as the body of Christ, we come together to learn how God works. We come together to experience the love and grace and salvation of Jesus Christ. We come together to be healed and to be forgiven. But then we are tasked with taking that out into the world to testifying to who Jesus is. And so when we walk out into the world, if we walk out as though we have not been touched by the grace of God, then we are not the proof that the world needs that Jesus is the Messiah. To be the proof to the world that the Messiah has come and will come again, then we need to be testifiers to the experience that we've had with God so that we can tell the world that the Messiah has brought salvation and that justice will come and that the world is now being transformed. Amen.